here we are joining you live with Chris Hickman on some breaking news that we're going to discuss. Chris, what do we have? Well, um, so yeah, this is a bonus episode of MobyCast. Figured we would uh, get together and, and have a chat because some big changes happening for Docker, the company. And uh, yeah, they made some big announcements November 13th. And, uh, you know, it was some to some extent surprising and to some other yes. other other ways, you know, it's, it's not so surprising. I think we had made the the prediction on MobyCast, hadn't we? I don't remember which episode, but we had predicted that they were going to be sold. Oh, it was probably the one after DockerCon, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, pretty interesting. I was going back through my notes, um, and so like I like to take notes at each one of these conferences, and I usually end up kind of like writing some, like, what are the takeaways, and like, what are some action items and predictions. So I actually went back to my notes for DockerCon 2018. And for whatever reason, I had a little predictions section. Um, and I mean, it might be interesting just to read some of this stuff. So this is after DockerCon 2018, which was in... So over a year yeah, ago. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I wrote, Swarm as a container orchestrator is going to get less attention as Kubernetes becomes more popular. Docker EE customers overwhelmingly choose Kubernetes over Swarm. And eventually Docker decides to sunset Swarm. Well. Docker is currently acting like a company that wants to go public, but I don't think they'll get enough Docker EE sales to warrant an IPO. Instead, I think they'll be acquired by a larger company with the most likely suitor being Microsoft, where enterprise is king. Mm-hmm. Note that Docker and Microsoft already have a collaborative relationship in place since Docker and Microsoft have been working together since 2014. Mm-hmm. So those were the um, you know some of the, the notes that I had back then and not all the details are are right but i think you know the overall gist right this is not rocket science either right like we docker has really struggled i think trying to find its business model its executive office seems like it's had a revolving door the last the last few years they've they've gone they've yes. gone through four different ceos since 2017 now that's so many. Can you imagine being an employee there? Come on, it would just be like, whatever. What's going on on the internet today? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother working? <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe we should just say like what happened. Um, a couple. Yeah, you know, yeah. Let's you know, do the journalistic um, thing. The who, what, yeah, where, and why. Um, let's do it. So yeah. So November thirteenth, um, the you know the announcements were made, and and basically it was it was two big announcements. One was. Docker said, hey, we've sold off our enterprise business. So it's been acquired by a company called Mirantis. And we're going to be focusing on the developer um, going forward. So that was one, one of the big bombshells. And then the other big bombshell was, oh, by the way, we have a new CEO. And we just got a $35 million lifeline from some existing investors. So, again, both... <laughs> so here's... <laughs> Employees rolling their eyes. Well, no, oh, he, I guess I have to work now. Think, think about this. <laughs> you so so okay. So they sold their enterprise business, and so let's just put some numbers around that. So seven hundred and fifty enterprise customers, which mm-hmm. comprises a third of the Fortune one hundred and twenty percent of the global five hundred. Right. Um, that sounds really good. Yes. Um, but at the same time. You can also look at it as that they only have 750 paying customers mm-hmm. in in total, right? So, mm-hmm. so there's that. 
So if each of, if each one of those customers is worth more than a million dollars, then you know that's a billion dollar company. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere where it, it ended up. It was it equated to about fifty two million dollars in revenue. Um, so <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, each one of those customers is not worth a million dollars. No, um, probably not. <laughs> Um, the other interesting thing is that this does account for about 300 out of the 400 Docker employees. So 75% of the company goes to Mirantis as part of this. Okay. So, okay. And, and the, the CEO of Mirantis, um, he has said that, hey, this acquisition accounts for about 90% of Docker's business. All right. So, so what, I'm, what I'm getting to here is that so, so Docker has now sold off 90% of its business to this other company. Uh-huh. And 300 of just top-notch experts in the cloud-native space, right, are, are part of that. Yes. You've got a third of the Fortune 100, 20% of the Global 500, and yet they have to go get a $35 million lifeline. Right. So how much money did they get for this acquisition if they had to go Ooh, get yeah, this $35 million lifeline? Did they just give it to them? <laughs> like, please just make sure our, our employees have jobs. So it's it's a bit of a head scratcher there. Like, obviously, they it did is, not get yeah. a lot. Right. Yeah. If they got $100 million, um, then getting another 35 on top of that would be like, why bother? Yeah. Like, that's a that's just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. But if they got $10 million for it, Even, right, then hey. Yeah. So. Yeah. So who knows? I, it, but it, it's 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 really kind of strange that they had to go raise thirty five million dollars after selling off this, the, you know, their big part of their business. That's you know. I mean, it's actually that's sort of mind blowing because even on just like a regular consulting business, which you know, which is what it would be, right? Here's our enterprise consulting business. Like you would generally figure that there would be a multiple on the revenue, and it and it's likely that there wasn't. Based on what what you're saying, it's likely that it was a fraction yeah. on yeah, the revenue, probably. And I mean, yeah. even another way to look at it is like just call this an acquire. Yeah. So you're you're getting 300 folks. I mean, usually acquires you you value them about a million ahead. Wow. So that would be 300 million dollars. And if they got that, then again, why would they go raise 35 million? Right. There's there's something almost fishy there, right? Because. It's like there is a working business there. There's customers and there's revenue getting made. Unless, unless the argument is the only reason that there's customers there are that they're all like, you know, they, they bought in when it was looking, you know, dreamy and great. And they were, they're all on their way out the door, essentially. Like there's a bunch of contracts about to end. All this revenue that they've made so far is not going to be recurring. They're having a hard time getting new projects. So like this, the ship is sinking. Help us get us out of here. Like nobody, no new Docker. Like you see what I mean? Like it's not a healthy. If it was a even a healthy services business, gets a multiple, but an unhealthy services business might get a fraction. Obviously, it definitely wasn't a healthy business. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sold it off. Because what are they left with? <laughs> They're left with they have right, no well, business model. Now, right. right. They have to go create a new one. I guess I'm, I'm maybe not being clear. I'm trying to find that not not like okay so. The high flying valuations that Docker had a while back, no services business is going to get those, right? If if all you are is a services business, like you got to have, ton, you got to be huge in order to get those high flying valuations. So, but that doesn't mean a services business is a bad thing. Like, so maybe it's not worth a couple billion dollars, but it still could be like you know, nice hundred million, hundred fifty million dollar services business. That's great. Yeah, sell that. 
But what I'm saying is even the services business, even the one thing that they were able to do to make money, it itself, without all the rest of the horridness of like too high valuations for the rest of the company that could not be realized into revenue, even just the services business alone feels to me like it wasn't doing well. And it should be like, you should be able to, you know, how hard is it to make a services business? We know a ton about Docker. We have 300 people that are really good at cloud computing. Like you should be able to sell that. You should be able to sell projects, right? It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I digress a little bit. um, but yeah. And then just to be clear, when you say services, you're not talking like professional services. You're talking about like software as a service, right? No, no. I was talking about professional services. Professional is, services. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by a services business. Like yeah. selling projects, getting in, getting people in, doing, doing projects for the enterprise. Like that is what I understood most of the enterprise money to be. I guess there, are, there was also some licensing that they were doing around Docker Enterprise. I, I, maybe that's the problem. Like, Nobody's buying new Docker Enterprise, and the only way to sell services is by is through that channel. And that could, that's it. That there's the explanation right there. Like if they were just selling, we're really good at doing Docker projects in the cloud. They probably make more money than if than by saying, and you have to buy licenses to this Docker Enterprise in order to get us to do that work right. for you. Yeah, their their business they had very little in the way of pro serve. It was it was all about licensing uh, okay. Docker. I thought that was Enterprise. what it was. Yeah, no. Uh. In fact, they mm. even. That shows my ignorance. They, they will. I mean, it's it's. There's a lot going on, and like, mem- do you remember we talked about this this <laughs> rapid pace of innovation? And there's just like <laughs> yeah. tons of things going on. So like, sh- why don't you know, know what's happening inside Docker, Come on, John? John? I do. Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Keep up, man. Um, all right, yeah, all right. So they had a you know software licensing that was their their prim- primary business and. You either had the community edition, which becomes Docker Desktop, or you have the enterprise edition, and that was their whole business model. They were trying to get into the enterprises and say, basically, we are your your hybrid, your multi-cloud, your on-prem solution for running containers. You know, the big mistake they made though was they didn't pay enough attention to Kubernetes, and it was too little, too late. And they put everything on Swarm from the get go. So they they built their own. We talked about this in the past. They yeah. had their own orchestration system called Swarm. They've stuck with it. Yep. And you know, at the end of the day, like Kubernetes has won loud and clear. And it really is. Yes. You know. So basically, using Docker, you can you can think of it as in two different two different phases, right? There's the compile time mm-hmm. and then there's the runtime. So the compile time, that's the developer. And, you know, how do I go about building with Docker, making my images, having them in, in repositories, just that whole developer experience. How do I know what technologies to use and integrate with? Where do I host these things, these images? How do I share them? How do I have public versus private ones? Um, so that's the whole developer experience. That's the, the compile time experience. And then you have the runtime, which is, okay, I have my images. I now want to run my containers in production and just run my business logic on this. And what tools do I need there? So mm-hmm. Kubernetes is definitely runtime, right? I mean, it's all about, like, how do I run my containers in production um, versus, you know, Docker and Docker Desktop. Those tools, it's all about the developer and, and how they, and people that use Kubernetes, they still have to use Things like Docker Desktop, right, and 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 or some of those tools for just building images. So are are we? Is this just part of an overall story in the industry uh, around runtime types of companies? Like, 
If you think you're going to compete against the public cloud operators on a runtime business, be prepared to not succeed, right? Like Kubernetes is not a Google product, but it came out of Google and has like that sort of, you know, cachet that like, oh, well, Google knows how to run things at scale, so I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. And then we're seeing the same thing with businesses trying to compete with AWS. We talked about uh, DocumentDB and MongoDB last year. So sort of like a recurring theme, like unless you're a cloud operator, make sure that like you got to have a really good story for competing in that sort of operational runtime space. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like it's pretty much a um, a safe conclusion to say that the money is in the runtime and not in the compile time. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the the best examples of this is Microsoft, mm-hmm. right? How did Microsoft? end up being a multi-billion dollar juggernaut. They made the best possible developer experience, the best toolkits, the best IDE, the best compilers, the best libraries, the best documentation, the best support. And a lot of that stuff, they really didn't make a lot of money off of it. Mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, they sold licenses to Visual Studio and whatnot, but it, it, that wasn't the bulk of their revenue. The bulk of their revenue was on selling licenses to Windows because mm-hmm. you needed that in order to run this stuff mm-hmm. in production, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where they made all their money. So right. that's kind of like, I think the, the problem here is that, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, Docker had the developers, everyone was using it, but they just weren't able to have that strategy in place to execute on what is the runtime model. And they, they, they right. went and tried to do it all themselves. And it was just really difficult to onboard and to start using Enterprise Edition. And as difficult and as complicated as Kubernetes is, it's still a lot easier to onboard with that than it is with Docker Enterprise Edition. Interesting, interesting. And all you know, the public clouds are getting all the runtime money right now, just like Microsoft was getting all the runtime money in the um, you know, 90s and early 2000s. And so you know, the only place left is the spaces in between. The, the stuff that the public clouds are not paying attention to or the stuff that specifically has the capability of going multi-cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, like the big winner here is Mirantis. Yeah. They got this for a song. And now all of a sudden everyone's heard of them. I have definitely not heard of them before, and I'm sure I'm not in the, you know, the minority. No, I haven't heard. I, I had not heard of them before as well, and, and there's a reason for that, right? So they are, they started off as a well-funded open stack distro, and um, they've since kind of like refined that and pivoted to, they basically have two main product lines. One is their cloud platform, which is basically like, how do you run Kubernetes in private clouds um, powered by, they have their own infrastructure as code um, solution. So that's, that's the one. So basically Kubernetes for private clouds. And then the, the other mm-hmm. product line is their, um, they call it their application platform, which is based, it's based on Spinnaker, um, which is the open source project spun out um, from Netflix. That's the CI CD system. Mm-hmm. So they have these neutral open source, uh, these, these uh, product lines that are based on open source software for basically running your Kubernetes containers and then also for having a CI CD pipeline. And they, again, they're really focused on private clouds, so on prem. And then, of course, by extension, hybrid. And then now, multi-cloud, right? That was one of the things that they're getting with Docker. And so now they have this really good, just just the technology alone. So prediction, the label Docker Enterprise Edition, they're saying right now they're going to keep it. That's going away. 
I guarantee you. I can't imagine wanting to keep I, that. Yeah, yeah I guarantee you yeah. that is that is dead. That's a poison brand right now. Yeah. So Marantis is going to take. You know, a, they say they're getting three hundred employees with this. I guarantee you, not all three hundred are going to sign on no, at all. Like, no. I mean, if they get half of that, I think they're going to be lucky, unless they just mm-hmm. throw out some really good golden handcuffs mm-hmm. um, for folks, right, and lock them down. Mm-hmm. But I think the whole Docker brand will will go away with them, and they're really just going to use this technology and whatever folks stay on board to have that multi-cloud experience for Kubernetes. And that's that's a good business. I guess there's something I don't quite understand. What does Docker Enterprise do that Kubernetes doesn't in terms of multi-cloud? So Docker Enterprise Edition has just a lot in the way of control plane um, and just UI and the ability to provision things and applications okay. and clusters and services and to mix and match. So, you know, Enterprise Edition would allow you to have mi- even mix and match on-prem with uh, servers that are in public clouds and then in multiple public clouds as well, whether it be like an Azure or AWS. So, so they have all that kind of like integration code and UI and consoles and just that whole control plane okay. um, there to support it. Right. So, so that's one of the the big the big things they're getting here with that. Okay, great. So, so you can almost see like they're they're they're, ta- they're taking a page right out of the HashiCorp's playbook. Yes, you know HashiCorp is all they, they've really found their mark in like we're multi cloud for like things like secrets management with Vault or service discovery with Console or infrastructure as a service. Yeah, infrastructure as code with Terraform, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sorry, yeah, it's code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they're they're all about multi cloud and people. Like they want, they, there's, we've talked about this before in previous podcasts, right? There's this folks that say like, Hey, I don't want to be locked in to a single cloud vendor, right? I want to be multi-cloud. And we've kind of discussed why, like, that's really expensive. If you do want to be a multi-cloud, like you got to be careful, right? And you really have to be prepared to make that investment to, to support that. But there are, I'm, pre- I'm prepared to change my mind on that right here, Chris. <laughs> I think that. Essentially, right now today, I'm saying that there's nothing better for a company than just pouring all of their money and resources and funding into us. You know, like let us do what we want, let us build out big structures, lots of connections in between them, among clouds, tons of software that doesn't do really anything except for talk to other software. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I like this vision of the future. Okay. Just print, print, print money, huh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. So I mean, it, <laughs> that stuff goes on. So um, there, yes. there are companies that that you know are do get that kind of work and are and are doing that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Marantis is the big winner. I think Docker is is definitely like struggling big time. Obviously, I think another prediction that's pretty safe to make is like. So one, they didn't get much money for this for selling off this um, their enterprise business to Marantis. That's why they needed the thirty five million dollar lifeline. That's going to last them long enough for them to sell that to someone else. Docker will not exist as a year from now. They will not exist as an independent company. Yeah, if they do exist a year from now as an independent company, well, gosh, you know, it's like. They will have failed again, right? Because they'll be running out of money, mm-hmm. running out of about thirty-five million, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be. I mean, somebody's got to pick them up, right? Somebody's. Yeah. They've got to get. They've got to get through this phase and have somebody pick them up before they run out of that cash. Because there's no. I can't think of a, a credible story for them to be able to 
get cash flow positive between now and when they run out of that cash. And if they if they still have a hundred people working there, that cash is going to last the year. Yeah. I mean, so so what's left after this, right? So they're they're left with they have Docker Desktop and they have Docker Hub. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are actually two big you know crown jewels that they get to keep. You know we've we've already talked about how like everyone that is working with containers almost. Like it's something like 90, 96% of people working with containers are using Docker and Docker desktop, right? So that developer experience, it's still there, right? We still need to yes. build these images. We may not use Docker to run them, but we, we're using, we need it for, for building it for the whole developer experience. So, right. so that is a huge, huge advantage and a huge asset to leverage. And then the other one is Docker Hub. In the Node.js community, there's NPM. I mean, they went and... They just turn that into a to a to a business, a VC funded business. I mean, it's probably not the most successful business, and they've had their ups and downs and whatnot. But they have made an entire business just out of being an artifact repository, the de facto artifact repository for Node. And yes. Docker still has that with Docker Hub, so that's right. That's worth a lot there. Um, and so you know, you go look at the companies that really want to round out their suite, and and the companies that really really care about developers and the developer experience. And so again, I'll one of them comes to, to like mind. Microsoft, <laughs> like Microsoft, like come on already, <laughs> just just yeah. do it, just pull the trigger. This has got to be such an easy acquisition to make. It's the easiest decision in the world, Chris. Wait eleven months and then do it. Yeah, I mean, no, no, seriously, like. Why do it today when you could wait eleven months and do it for a tenth of cost and still have all the same people? I know, but it's like a right? still it's a rounding error for them. Like just like uh, yeah, in the true. misery. That's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know. So so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But definitely some some very big interesting changes for for Docker the company and. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Right on. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us live today from Seattle. Yeah. Thanks, John. Talk to you next week. All right. See ya. <laughs>